be reading from Psalm chapter 25, verses 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Do you know these verses? Uh, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you have, with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. Maybe uh, maybe it's more familiar in this translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I want to talk a little bit this morning about the subject of guidance, uh, perhaps referring to it as a gift, because I I think it truly is an amazing gift from God, the gift of guidance, that he actually guides us day by day. In the fall of uh, 2002, 11 of us met together in a home where we prayed about the possibility of a church plant developing in southwest Edmonton, in the Terwilliger town area. We met every Monday night, and we inquired of God as to what he would want us to do. And if indeed there was to be a work established in that part of the city, that he would guide us, that he would show us that. And that was always our prayer, that he would guide us. And we sensed his guidance, and uh, uh, when we asked our very small band of people, perhaps seven families, what we might be able to cobble together financially uh, to begin this work, to see if it indeed was viable, to see if it had a financial base, the little sheets of paper that were returned indicated that this small handful of people were willing to give the first year. Now, that's a lot of money when you don't have any money. And uh, that was an encouragement to us. And we sensed God saying to us, 
Keep going and I'll show you more. And so we ask God for a place to assemble on a Sunday. And God showed us that the Holy Trinity Chinese Anglican Church was the place for us to inquire. And it turned out that we spent six full years at Holy Trinity meeting first in the afternoon at 4.30. Can you imagine? 4.30 in the afternoon. And the last year there at Holy Trinity, we met at 9.30 in the morning. God guided us to Holy Trinity, and he gave us an amazing start to our ministry. It was there that we began to solidify our vision and really believe that God had called this young church to be part of our new community. It was in January 2008 that we started the brunch, not because we were wise and experienced that a brunch would be a strengthening component to help a church incorporate all the new people that would come. We started it so we could clear the foyer, so the Anglican congregation could come in to worship. We promised them that we would not linger in the foyer and make it difficult for their congregation to assemble. Therefore, we urged, and it didn't take much urging, to come downstairs for a full-out brunch. One taste of that brunch, and our people were sold. Nearly everybody came to brunch, and there was no trace of anyone from TCC in the foyer, blocking the arrival of our Anglican friends. We grew very quickly with a morning service and with a brunch, and God guided us, causing us, I think, to stumble upon the importance of a brunch. But now I know it was his guidance. This brunch has become a trademark for TCC. And just this past week, I guess the week before, uh, in Winnipeg, I heard an explanation uh, for an hour from a professor out of Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky on the significance of food and hospitality in the scriptures. And she made a case that eating together has a significance to it that has marked the Christian community over the years allowing it to grow and be authentic in community. And one day I'm going to follow that thought and, and just kind of do some of my own homework on food and hospitality in the Scripture. God guided us to a brunch out of a very pragmatic need. But we've seen the value of the brunch in allowing us to know one another. It would be easy to whip out the back door and uh, as soon as the service ends and just not meet anybody. But 95% of our people stay because we have a need also for community. And we love to connect with one another. And how better than with food? And then we must say that God has provided the people who have a heart to prepare the food and understand the value of community. And he guided in that respect as well. In August of 2009, when we could no longer stay at Holy Trinity Church, God guided us to Taylor. And what a great experience this has been. Despite furnaces that don't work once in a while, uh, we have had a wonderful time here at Taylor. And God has added to this faith community more than we might have ever anticipated. In September of 2009, while driving past the Mac store in Terwilliger Town, I heard a little voice inside of my heart and head saying, Stop here and go inside the sales trailer 
and inquire about land. And I only did what I felt God was guiding me to do, and that began a conversation that resulted in the purchase of land from Karma. We partnered with Footprint Developments, and we saw God work in incredible ways. We were about to pay a million dollars for the land when Footprints Development said to us, we'd like to buy 0.56 acres back from you to meet our parking codes, but we will rent it back to you for a dollar a year for 99 years, and we will pave it besides. Therefore, we only paid $600,000 for the land, and we have all of the land that we might have paid a million dollars for. We believe in the guidance of God. It was on this very piece of land that the congregation prayed for guidance in June of 2004. We assembled one evening after worship, and we prayed for the favor of God, that if it be his leading, that we might be able to purchase this very piece of property. It was amazing to see that five years later, God opened the door and allowed us to purchase this property at a greatly reduced price, at a price that we would not have been able to pay for at that time. We believe that God has guided this congregation to be generous in the support of this new building that is being built. How can one ever explain that this relatively small congregation has committed $3.2 million to build this new facility? I mean, that's only God guiding us individually to say we want to be part of what God is doing here. And we're asking God to help us take another big step, the, the step in, in the closing of the $400,000 gap. We're desiring to have a mortgage that's uh, not greater than a million dollars, primarily so this ministry doesn't suffer. And we're not saddled about thinking about finances week after week and saying to you, we, we need more money. We'd like to be able to get it down to a million dollars. We'd like to be able to expand our, our ministry effort to the community. The gift of guidance. Oh, what an amazing gift it is. My heart was drawn this week to Acts chapter 13. As I thought about the ways that God has guided uh, people in the past, Paul and Silas and Barnabas, uh, John Mark, we read this, the book of Acts and we have nothing but awe for the incredible ways in which God guided this fledgling church. Uh, let me remind you of how Acts chapter 13 uh, opens. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, and on and on and on. And so begins the missionary journeys, the three missionary journeys. The commissioning of Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, begins a brand new adventure for the early church in the spread of the Christian message all across Asia Minor and even into Europe. And churches were established. And as you trace the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and Silas, you see them coming back, coming back to Antioch and reporting what the Holy Spirit has done, reporting about the establishing of new churches that had been, had been uh, built up and uh, how the Holy Spirit had led them through the years of ministry. 
You know, I think one of the, we're talking about the three G's and growth. And one of the things that stimulates our growth in Christ is when we become aware of the gift of guidance in our lives. How does this guidance thing work, you ask? Will God guide me? Can I ask him for guidance? Can I feel assured that the Holy Spirit will direct me in the ways that that I am to go? And the short answer is, yes, yes. God guides everyone. I want to encourage us uh, in the understanding that God leads each one of us as we walk with him. The guidance of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit are not reserved for the prophets or the missionaries or the pastors or the professors or worship leaders. I mean, how better to illustrate this than to remind you of a story in the Old Testament, specifically the book of Numbers. There was a prophet of God named Balaam. Some of you know where I'm going right away. The enemy of Israel, Midian, wanted to use Balaam, the prophet, to actually speak against Israel. So he summoned, Midian summoned Balaam. And Balaam is riding a donkey to go to Midian. And you remember the story, God sends an angel to turn Balaam back to Israel. On the road, the donkey sees the angel of God blocking their path. Balaam, the prophet, doesn't see it. So the donkey turns aside. And Balaam beats the donkey to get her back on the road. This happens three times. This is really in the Bible. Numbers 22. I'm not making this up. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. That's really in the Bible, too. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me three times? Balaam answered the donkey. Now, that's getting bad, isn't it? Balaam answered the donkey. You have made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey? which you have always ridden to this day. Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. (laughs) The donkey is reasoning with Balaam, not just speaking to him. He's trying to appeal to logic. Have I ever done this? Well, you have a good point now that you're saying it. No, you've never done that before. God is speaking through a donkey. Ah, God can speak through anybody he wants. That's very comforting. You might even hear something this morning. He could speak through me. Donkey plus. He can speak through a donkey if he wants to. It's not about spiritual greatness and maturity. God is a sovereign God, meaning he's the only, he's the one in control. And just be on your guard for how he will guide you. It's what I really want to say. Uh, I have a memory of someone sharing a written word from God with me. And I discounted them because I thought they probably had not heard from God. They were too young in the faith. That was my reasoning. Surely they had not heard this from God. It turned out they were right on. It was a great lesson for me that be aware God can be speaking through any source, any time, anyone. You never know through whom God is speaking and guiding you. It calls for much wisdom and discernment. 
and the evaluation of all that you see and hear. Test everything, but be open and be wise. God is a sovereign God, a God who leads and guides according to the ways he desires. He can even speak to a little boy trying to figure out who's calling his name. You called me, said Samuel. No, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep, said Eli. A wonderful story of Samuel learning to hear the voice of God. And also a wonderful story of what might be called the ministry of Eli, helping someone to discern what God may be speaking or guiding into their lives. Maybe God is using you these days to be an Eli Oh, that would be wonderful to come alongside of others and to help them as they discern how God is leading them. And as they listen to his voice, that you can be an encouragement to them. God guides everyone. Watch for him. Trust him as you inquire for guidance in your life and in your family. God's guidance doesn't eliminate decision making. There's a lot of common sense in following God. I mean, we can find ourselves way out in left field, or we can find ourselves way out in right field. Left field is when we assume that we have to make all the decisions and God never shows up and God never steps in to show us the way at all. And right field is when we think we don't have to make any decisions. All we need to do is go into passive mode and let God make all the decisions. Well, the Christian life is a, is a life of balance. I think we always want to help people find the balance. If you need a job, you could sit home and not engage in finding a job and just say, Lord, bring it to me. Or you could push on a few doors and see if they open for you. And I would push on a few doors. You see, God is interested in developing us and maturing us. It's very much like a parent. If you did everything for your child, by the time they're ready to leave home, they wouldn't be prepared to go. You've done it all for them. And they haven't matured. We need lots of experiences in life in exercising judgment. What would you do in this situation? We need to learn how to think critically. How to weigh decisions. How to proceed in adverse situations. There is a process that is indispensable for human formation that God allows us to go through as we mature in Christ. Sometimes we don't know what God is saying. And we have to assume that he's calling us to make the best choice. We've had those decisions in the building plans for the new church. Some of them are logical decisions. Should it be a completely wood frame structure? Or should it be steel and wood? And we made those decisions on the basis of what would be best for the long-term ministry of the church. Because we could hear people saying 20 years from now, why did they put those columns there? I can't see. So we felt that a foyer in a worship center that didn't have all kinds of columns that you would have to look around would be a great advantage and would be appreciated down the road. That's why we believe the steel is important. So we have long spans and no columns. We would say that God has guided us, but we would also say it's the best decision. It costs more money, but you have one chance to do it, and that's now. 
And you can't put that decision off and you can't turn back. We believe that God just wanted us to make a good decision. Life is about making choices. And it's true, every time you make a choice, you take some kind of a risk. And that's what choices are all about. And sometimes you fail. We can beat ourselves up about that or we can learn and grow. God may be saying to us, you choose. You make the choice. You be wise and get good counsel. And I'll be in all of that mix. And I'll be in all of that mix. I love that. That's a very important piece of knowing guidance. He is in the mix. And if you walk with him and obey him, you will find him in the mix of some of your decisions. And that's what I appreciate so much about so many people that I work with. They see God in the mix of good decisions. And on the other hand, they also see God in some of the very direct leadings, some of which I've recounted for you this morning in the history of TCC. God guides us in different ways at different times. I love that about God. You have to stay on your toes when you walk with God. Sometimes the leading is obvious and deliberate. And the little promptings are so clear, just obey. And other times it's a choice, a good choice with God in the mix. God values community in decision making. He often guides through the body and making decisions, decisions together. What do you do when someone uh, that you know pulls the God told me to trump card? Has anyone ever done that to you? I mean, we're prone certain to use certain language when we need to. And, and we have to be careful about that. I feel like now that it's December, God is calling me to Hawaii. And, and I think he's got me there for three months. December, January, February. Yeah, I'm coming back March 15th. Uh, I, I've heard from God on that. No, I have not heard from God on that. I don't think that's what he's saying to me. I don't think it's a bad idea, but it's, uh, <laughs> the, I think it's not what he's saying. How do you argue against a statement when a guy says to a gal at a Christian college or a church or wherever, God told me that uh, you're the person I'm meant to marry. Now, what do you do with that? The best response is to say back to him, you tell God to tell me, and as soon as he does, I'll get back to you. Sometimes we try to make ourselves look more spiritual. And we're actually just being selfish or self-focused. Let's not enter into a power struggle through the use of our words. God told me. Now, if he did, then you will quickly see and you will have that affirmed by the body. If you do have some word from God to be shared with a person, the choice of words is critical. If you do have a word from God, say the word softly in a way they will be received and seriously contemplated. You know, when I pray for you, George, 
I have this awareness. So I want to tell you, just does it make any sense to you at all? Does that connect at all with you? And someone can authentically receive that and not be cornered. And in fact, they'll be so grateful that you were so kind to share that with them, that you were interested in their life, but you didn't corner them. If you think an idea came from God, if you hope and pray and listen and get wise counsel and believe an idea came from God, don't tell other people to get them to do what you want them to do. As a general rule, if an idea is really from God, it'll be a good idea. God will never give a bad idea. The goodness of the idea alone will be enough to convince other people. They will say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that connects, that resonates. The goodness of the idea alone will be enough to convince other people. You don't have to jazz it up and make it something that it isn't. Isn't it wonderful that in Acts chapter 13 that the whole church is gathered for prayer and worship and fasting? And in the midst of the church being together... That God spoke to this group of believers and he told them to set apart Barnabas and Paul for the work to which God had called them. Now, here's the safeguard. God guides us together. And I think, as I look back, everything we've done at TCC has been together. He's guided us together. He's affirmed direction through the body together. It's not about any one person. It's through community with men and women together speaking into each other's lives. And I am so grateful for that. The scriptures say, uh, somewhere in Proverbs, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And then we have a role in finding God's guidance. What's our role? Well, our role is to listen. It's hard to hear the voice of God if we're too busy and if we're too active, if we're too much on the go and we never stop to listen. Remember Elijah after all the commotion in his life, after Mount Carmel, after his depression, he just needed to rest. He just needed to rest and to wait. But remember, finally, he became aware of the Lord in his midst And the Lord came to him in a still, small voice. Not in the big, spectacular events, but just in this little voice. And Elijah knew it was God. Seems to be the way that God speaks to us today. And he gives us guidance. If we rush too much, we miss the small voice of God. The Word of God is a great listening point. We find him speaking to us in the Word. We listen for the Lord in the Word. And when you start to read the Scripture, one of the greatest things you can do is say, Lord, I'm going to take some time now to read your Word. Oh, I'd just love to hear you speak to me this morning through your Word. Would you show me something? Would you speak to me? Would you guide me? The Word of God is a great listening point. We listen for the Lord in the Word. And it's amazing how we hear Him. Our guidance from God won't be in contradiction to the Scripture. If you're walking in a certain direction, but it's different from the Scripture, it's time to stop and evaluate and say, where did I miss this? 
What I'm doing is not in agreement with the scripture. God leads us according to our gifting. I, I doubt that God will ever lead me into the music industry. I'm convinced he won't. I'm not gifted there. In fact, I don't really have a passion for it. I no longer just would just love to be a rock star singer. Not that I ever did want to be one. It's, it's just not me. God would lead me to some area that he has gifted me in. And, you know, God leads us according to our giftings. It's a good way to watch for his guidance. God leads us according to servanthood. If you're thinking that God will lead you to make a name for yourself, to gain prestige or honor or personal gain, you might put a big question mark there. Should you be going in that direction? The Spirit leads people in paths of servanthood. And so we have a role in finding God's guidance. And that role is obedience that Pastor Norb spoke about last week. Obedience. That role is listening for his voice. Finding quiet spaces to listen to him. And finding God's word to hear what he has already said. And walking in the path of servanthood. Lord, it's all about you and it's not about me. And here I am as your servant. Let me just draw this to a conclusion. Uh, the longer I walk in this journey with Christ, the more I really appreciate how God wants to guide us all. I really believe that God speaks to us. I, bre- I really believe we have a fantastic journey with Christ as he journeys with us throughout this life. I, be- I really believe that it's an exciting adventure and, and that his voice can be heard, is heard in so many different ways. Not in one little slice, but in so many ways. I love the words of Dallas Willard in his fine book, Hearing God. He quotes Newsweek, front cover article, 1992, long time ago. This week, the article said, More of us will pray than will go to work or exercise. 78% of all North Americans pray at least once a week. More than half report praying at least once a day. Even among the 13% of Americans who are atheists or agnostics, nearly one in five still prays daily. (laughs) I thought that was quite a statistic. One in five atheists or agnostics pray daily. Lily uh, Tomlin, the comedian, said, Why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying? But when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic. It's kind of true, isn't it? We want to hear from God, but then when we do hear from God or say we've heard from God, we're kind of suspicious of like, where have you been? God does speak to us. Listen for his voice. Be guided in community. Be a servant as you listen. Thinking of others and not yourself. Dr. Ken Taylor, who produced the widely used version of the scriptures known as the Living Bible, told how he had been concerned about children having a Bible that they could easily understand. And according to his statement, one afternoon, 
God revealed to him the idea of a thought-for-thought translation instead of a word-by-word translation. And that idea works so well that many versions have now been published in languages throughout the world. And people who could never quite get what this book is saying could get it through the Living Bible and begin to comprehend the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The the guidance of God is a gift for all of us. If it's really from him, he'll stand every test. He'll guide you in the great issues of life, and he will guide you in all the personal details of your life as well. And he does it so well. He does it so well.